Please do turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 4. I just read as a verse to commence our thinking. Verse 4, the second part. Genesis 4, and the second part of verse 4. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Acceptable worship. We've come this morning to gather together. I hope you've come to worship the one true God. How should we worship? There is such a variety of ways in which people come before God. Some people become before many gods. Some people don't come at all, especially in this land. If you look across the world, the majority of people yesterday or today will have been worshipping some god. But they come in all sorts of different ways. Is there a right way to come before God? Can we make it up? Can we choose our brand of worship? Is it up to us? Is it up to our taste? Maybe our background, our feelings? Is it really a choice? Or is there an acceptable way to worship God? And how might we know? And of course, the Lord God would tell us, wouldn't he? He wouldn't leave it up to us. The reason there is such a variety of different ways of worship is because people have invented the way to come to God. They have chosen and followed their own way. Look at this verse. The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Acceptable worship. won't turn to it now, but in the book of Hebrews 11, it tells us that one of the brothers came in a way that was so much better. An acceptable way. A way which God respected. Look at this word here. The Lord had respect. He looked at Abel's offering and sacrifice. And it pleased him. He gazed at it. He inspected it. That's what the word respect means. He looked upon it with favor. He saw it and it pleased him. The way Abel came pleased God. By implication, what Cain did was the very opposite. It displeased him. God had no respect, no regard, no thought. There was no favor given by God upon what Cain did. Two forms of worship. Well, our first heading this morning. The first family, Adam and Eve, they've come together. Verse 1, the husband and wife, and they conceived. Matthew Henry believed the first two children were twins. He believed that God would give twins to enable the family 
to grow rapidly and the evidence as far as there is is it seems to be quite consecutive that the birth of Cain is mentioned and then verse 2 and she again bear his brother we don't know but either way two boys as we mentioned last week Martin Luther believed that when Eve saw her first child, Cain, this was the fulfillment of the promise, the promise that had been given of a saviour to crush Satan. He thought it said something like this, I have gotten, instead of a man from the Lord, I have gotten the man-Lord, the incarnate God, God has fulfilled the promise. Look, here's my child. But it wasn't to be. Not yet. The Saviour would one day come. Now Cain's name means possession. A gift. A gain. Oh, what a pleasure. Adam and Eve in the whole vast world. Ejected from the Garden of Eden. They had each other. But they were now cut off from God. They could worship him. They could pray. And they knew how. But they were lonely. There was no children. Oh, what a blessing it would have been. God has given us a gift, Cain, a possession. It means to acquire. Oh, Cain. We have life in the midst of death, the death of the animal, the death of our souls. Now we have life. God has given us a child. We've got hope. Maybe there'll be more children than there was. Abel is born so quickly afterwards. And his name means vanity, emptiness, passing. Fading. What a name to give your second child. People choose odd names nowadays. Some of the names you think, why on earth have the parents chosen that name? It means something quite bizarre. Vanity. Oh, I think there's a lot of meaning in this second name. The first name, a gift. God has given us a possession. Cain. The second name, Vanity, life, full of emptiness, sorrow, a reminder that life lived without God is just vain and empty. Oh, were they feeling the pain and the sorrow of life, even with a child and family and routine and now the family's growing and there was hope, but the second child The dawning of that realization, routine, emptiness, sorrow, sadness for them and for us. Abel is born, two have gone to three, they've become four. Oh, the painful reality of life, emptiness, all is vanity, said Solomon. All is pointless, futile. Vanity of vanities. Do you ever feel like that? 
Do you ever feel that this life seems to have so much? Life, children, job, employment, but it's just empty. Empty without God. Empty unless you have a saviour, unless you have a guide, unless you have a shepherd, unless you have one that can lead. Abel, the one who was to work with the sheep. Cain, the one who was going to work on the land. They had two jobs given to them. Good jobs. Jobs where they would have a lot of time. Time on their hands. Time to be in the outdoors, not office jobs. Time to think, why am I here? What's life all about? All these sheep, all these crops, what's life for? Is the meaning, is the purpose? Or oh, they were to have different jobs. Yes, the sheep were to be looked after, clothes to be made, the sheep to be fed and cared for, looked after from the hirelings that would come. The crops, they needed to be sowed. They needed to be harvested and looked after. God had given them a purpose. A useful purpose. The family is growing. Two becomes four. Probably daughters as well to follow. And now the problems begin to grow. A child of emptiness, vanity. Life without God. The first family. We've got families here this morning. Where's the problems? It's the same old problems, isn't it? Problems with the children. Problems with relationships. Problems with not knowing whether to go this way or that way. I want this. I set my heart upon it. And the Lord says, no. Wait, not yet, or not at all. I have another way, a better way. And the problems start. They get worse, illness, sadness. The problems between the children, jealousy. All the problems grow. As we have families, great blessings, great difficulties as well. Well, secondly, this morning, the first recorded worship. Remember that law, that principle of exegesis. When you come to the word of God, always take note of the law of first use. When something is first mentioned, take special note. And here we have the first worship. This is a gathering together before God. And they bring their offerings. This is a prototype of how we come before God. Let's look at it carefully. Verse 3. The first family, the first recorded worship. In the process of time. The expression used in the Old Testament with as they grew up, as they became able to start making their own choices, They'd gone out to work, and now they come. Maybe teenagers 
16, 18, who knows? In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Notice, it was natural to worship. It was the most obvious thing. Even Cain, and we shall see his worship was all wrong, he still desires to worship. There was no question, is there a God? Oh yes. Of course, Cain knew there was God. And he knew that he ought to worship. And he knew that there was a place to worship. And there was an appointed time, an appointed season. And he knew that an offering needed to be brought. All those things were the same for both the brothers because clearly they'd been taught. The parents had shown them, we come before God, we bring our offerings, we come to this place at this time, and we come before God. We bring the very best for God. God who has given us life. God who has spared us from righteous death. We should have died. When sin entered the world, there should have been immediate judgment. God has been gracious. He's given time. They knew that. They knew because of the animal that had been slain in Genesis 3, there was grace, grace, time, opportunity. And they reminded themselves by the bringing of another offering, spared from immediate judgment, a period of grace. Despite the fall, they could still draw near to God. It's what we're doing this morning. We've sinned this week. The Lord had every right to bring down the curtain on this wicked world. This wicked world where awful things have happened. In another week, God has spared us to worship today. A period of gospel grace for each one that would use it. Despite the fall, the family has doubled in size. And they come to worship God. Probably by now, let's imagine, the six, eight, ten children. We don't know. It doesn't tell us. We don't need to know. They had enough to eat. They had clothes to wear. Gardens to enjoy. And they'd got animals to look after, to clothe them. And so they come in the process of time. They bring an offering unto the Lord. That's right. It's good. It's proper. It's what they've been taught. It's what we've been taught. It's what we're doing this morning. But here's my question. Is my worship, is your worship acceptable before God? God can answer that. You can answer that in your heart, but one day God will give his judgment. 
It gives time. Some of us have to learn the right way to come. Initially, we come with full of ourselves and what we've done. I've done this, I've done that. That's what we're going to see represented between Cain and Abel, the first family, the first recorded worship. Let's look at true and false worship, our third and our final heading this morning. How we worship matters. We can't just come our own way. We can't just make an idol, make a statue. We can't just live our lives the way we please and then bring it all before God. The law of first use. Verse 3, let's look at Cain and Abel. They had the same parents. Presumably, they were taught the same things. I've got no doubt Adam and Eve would remind them. Do you remember the time God clothed us? And he killed an animal. We tried to cover ourselves with fig leaves. We tried to do it our way. But God said, no, I'll give you the covering. It involves the loss of life, an animal. It involves the shedding of blood. It involves you being covered before you can appear before God. You must be covered, covered properly. So Cain, what does he do? Look at my work. Look at my labor. Look at my good deeds. Look at my, the work of my hands. Look how hard I've labored. Night and day in the field. And I brought my crop in. What a good crop it is. And so the time comes. Cain. Ah. Cain will do it his way. Here's my grain. Here's my sweet corn. Here's the crops that I sowed and I toiled and labored night and day. Six months, nine months later. Here's my fruit. It's my work. I've done all the hard bit. That's Cain. Same parents. Same creator. Same blessing upon their lives. They both bring an offering by hand to the same place at the same time. They came to pay the rent. That's what we do when we worship. It's what we should do, must do. But there's a right way to come. They brought of their substance. They brought what they thought was best. Abel knew that God must prescribe the way. Cain said, no, I'll do it my way. Let's look then at Abel. What does he do? He knows he's a sinner. He knows he's fallen. He's broken the laws of God. What he brings reflects the need for forgiveness. As he comes, he brings not one, but several lambs. A lamb 
the lamb that was to give a sacrifice, the lamb that one day was no doubt promised to them already. He brings of his flock the firstlings, the very first fruits, the first children as it were of the flock. No blemishes, no bruises, no spot. Notice it says, the fat, the fat. There has to be death. The lamb has to be slain. The fat speaks of the meat taken from the carcass of the lamb. The blood will have been shed. The skin will have been taken off. The fat of the firstlings of the flock This is proper sacrifice. This is as God has said. There's no aspect of Abel saying, this is my work. He didn't make the lamb. He didn't labor for it. He cared for it. But it's a firstling. There hasn't been lots of labor. Yes, he had to care for it. He had to bring it. He had to kill it by faith. But Abel comes the more excellent way. What he brings involves sacrifice. A sin offering in the right way. It was death. A substitutionary death for Abel. No death for Cain, no suffering, no substitution, no blood shed, wasn't needed. Cain thought he was good enough. He brought his own works. Do you bring your works to God? There are some of you, oh, I was born into a Christian family. I'm a chapel goer. I've been a Christian since I went to chapel. Nonsense. Cain comes here. He's been to worship since he was a child. He's been to the place of worship. His parents came the right way. He's now coming the wrong way. Just because you go to church, just because you go to chapel, just because you have parents that have faith, does not mean you're a Christian. And if you believe that your works are good enough to deal with your sin, you are badly mistaken. Oh, two ways to come. Do you see how, how poles apart? So very different, so opposite in every possible way. No death for Cain, no blood, no sin offering, no substitute. My way. One had faith. Oh, this lamb, this lamb that I'm bringing, probably several, if I come and trust in the shed blood of the lamb and the meat that's put on the altar. By faith, the Lord has said to me, 
I will be covered. My righteousness, though filthy rags, will be covered by one who will make me clean. I don't know. I can only see it in the future. It's a promise. But I claim that promise for me if I come by faith. The Lord will accept, and he did. Just turn to the book of Hebrews. We cannot but turn to it. Hebrews chapter 11 and see the fulfillment of the prophecy and the promise and the way in which these two come. Hebrews 11 verse 4. Here the sermon amplified by the writer to the Hebrews, probably Paul, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained the stamp of approval, the witness that he was righteous. No, he wasn't. He wasn't righteous. He was a sinner. Abel, you're bringing your sin You're covered in sin. You've got the stain of sin in your life. But not in God's eyes. God says, though you're a sinner, your life is forgiven. You are declared righteous. You are justified. It's just as though you never sinned. And better than that, It's as though your whole life was perfect. It's not. But God accepts your sacrifice by faith. And I give my witness that you, Abel, are now declared righteous in my sight because you came the right way, because you came by faith, Because you you came trusting in the Saviour. Your mother, she thought that when Cain was born, this was the Christ. And you, when you came, you believed that there would be a Christ. Oh, what a tragedy. To be brought up in a Christian family. To have all the advantages of worship but to come without faith, to come the wrong way, unacceptable way. Look at what God says. Unacceptable. I don't respect what you're doing, Cain. In fact, I push it to one side, push it from the table, and able Humble Abel, respectful Abel. Oh, my stamp of approval is upon your sacrifice. Well, what of our worship this morning? If you come as a believer, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, tell us the whole of your life is to be a living sacrifice, pleasing, acceptable, 
before God. Is that what you do when you worship? Is that what I do? Do I bring my substance, my heart, my soul, my thoughts, my words, and I bring them before God, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, pleasing before God. Oh, none of us can please God on our own. But when we come to worship, he wants us to come afresh. He wants us to put our whole life upon the altar, a living sacrifice. Not a dead lamb, but a living sacrifice. Is that the way you come today? Self has died, but now the life of Christ within you is given up to him again. Do you know many don't see worship this way? In the last hundred years particularly, people worship in 101 different ways. Materialism has crept in. They go to worship on a Saturday afternoon at the altar of football. They sing the hymns. They bow down. They gather together. But what are they worshipping? A substitute for God. People go and they go to the car showrooms. They worship the God of materialism. Better. More. For me, look at what I've done. Look at my life. Look at my labours and the job I've got. I've earned it, I deserved it, and I bring of my substance before God. That's the way many people worship. Could we be doing that? No blood, no substitute, no sacrifice, no life given up, the best we have given to us. What a picture of the Western world we live in. 98% today, perhaps, will not go and worship in a place of worship. And they will not lift up Jesus Christ, the only living sacrifice. How do you worship? This is the problem of the human heart displayed before two brothers. The first time people go recorded, they'd worshipped before, I've got no doubt, but the first time Abel and Cain are recorded as worshipping, we see the dichotomy of the whole of the human heart. Most people will worship God their way, but there will be some like Abel who say, I come the right way the only way, the new, the living way, the way that God has ordained, the acceptable way, the way that he respects. The Lord had respect. He granted favor. Now Abel is washed, cleansed. We read on in these verses. The first Conflict. Yes, there was conflict with Satan. But the first conflict between 
humanity is because of worship. A worship war erupts. Don't we see that today? Worship wars erupting. You see what happens? Cain is jealous. He's angry. He doesn't like it. Because his offering, his way has been rejected, unacceptable, disrespected. No, you can't worship that way. And so he gets so angry. The first murder happens because of an altar, because of a righteous altar. Because the lamb has been sacrificed. And again and again, through the history of time, when people come to lift up Christ, and when Christ came to lift up himself, people would want to murder, want to shed other blood, worship wars. This is the history of the church. False worship and acceptable worship. Do you know, that's why in this church we have no crosses. We have no pictures. No icons. We have the word of God. We have an altar within our hearts where Christ has once died. We come by sight, by faith, in our mind's eye, we come to Christ. We don't imagine him, but we think of the shed blood. We think of Calvary. and We see in our mind's eye all that he has done for his people to ransom them, heal them, restore them, forgive them. We come as Abel came. We desire to be accepted in Christ. We don't want to come the way that Cain came. If there's somebody this morning and you've come with your own good deeds, your parents' faith, your chapel going, put it to one side and come by faith like Abel. The only true acceptable way to come to deal with the sin problem, the new, the living way, the way that Christ has opened up through his shedding of the blood, offering himself as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of all his people. May the Lord bless us to always, only, ever pursue acceptable, 